Welcome to the Scripture Memory Podcast, a ministry of Scripture Memory Fellowship. If you've ever felt like memorizing God's Word is an uphill battle, stay tuned. This podcast will help you make Bible memory a consistent and enjoyable part of your daily life. After all, knowing Scripture is the first step towards a fruitful, God-honoring life. So whether you're a new memorizer who needs some practical Bible memory tips, or a veteran memorizer who just needs some encouragement for their journey, stay tuned for today's episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast, the podcast where we are helping you make Scripture memorization a consistent and enjoyable part of your daily life. I'm Dakota Lynch. And I'm Randy Williamson. So if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that we're always highlighting different benefits of memorizing Scripture, whether that's just the encouragement that it gives you as a believer, uh, the ability to share the gospel more effectively, the benefits that you experience in your prayer life. Uh, But today we're going to be focusing on uh, the blessing of just being equipped for the spiritual warfare that we encounter as believers. And that's something we've probably touched on briefly, but we've never really uh, dove into that more extensively. And that's what we're going to do in today's episode. Yeah, Dakota, when we teach on on Scripture, memory at conferences, churches, conventions, and things like that, I know that one of the things that we typically bring up is our motivation. We're trying to persuade people, why should you memorize, uh, memorize Scripture? What are your motivations for it? Where a very powerful motivation is spiritual warfare. And so as we deal with it, deal with this topic in the episode, we want to start by discussing the reality of spiritual warfare. We believe that we have a, a very real enemy, Satan and his demons, and that there is warfare going on, and we believe that on the basis of Scripture. And I'll just read off some of the most notable passages. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, when he talks about the full armor of God, he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The Apostle Paul speaks of spiritual warfare as a very real component of the Christian life. The Apostle Peter does so as well. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So on the basis of Scripture, we should accept that spiritual warfare is real. And we should do more than just simply give lip service to that statement. It should motivate us. It should prompt us to do something. And Dakota, I would posit this to you and and to our audience. There should be a correlation. So if you believe that Spiritual warfare is real on the basis of Scripture. If you have a strong belief in that, there should be a correlation with your Scripture memory. If it's real, then you're going to memorize to face it. Absolutely. I'm thinking about the proverb. I think it's in Proverbs. But it's describing the slothful man who says, I won't go outside because there's a lion in the way. And and you get this sense that this is a guy who's just looking for any excuse to avoid work. But you see in that passage that when there's a lion in the way, you don't just go outside, right? You don't just casually encounter that lion without some sort of preparation. And as you said, Randy, yeah, if we believe, as First Peter teaches, 
that our adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. He's actually there, (laughs) unlike in Proverbs, but he's actually there. He's seeking someone to devour. I mean, everyone who's listening would agree with that, but are we actively preparing for that encounter with our adversary, the devil, who's as that roaring lion? And how do we prepare for that? Well, we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we know that spiritual warfare is a reality, and yet I think so often we're just not prepared. And and I know in my experience, some of the biggest battles that we face in life are either won or lost in the mind. Mm-hmm. The adversary of the devil, uh, he's a lion, but he's attacking our thoughts. He's putting temptation and, and um, just bad ideas in our minds that we've got to push back on with the truth of Scripture. That's right. Uh, you know, we're going to read um, the account of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness here in a moment and talk about that, but it says, uh, I believe, that the devil left the Lord until an opportune season. His opportune season is often our inopportune season. He attacks when there's not a Bible around or uh Late at night, we're in bed, we, can, we can't sleep, or we're in the middle of doing something, and like you talked about, he attacks the mind. And it's not a moment where it's like, well, hold on just a second, let me get my Bible. No, we have to have the Word of God ready, because there's a need to fight for victory, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, so we know spiritual warfare is a reality. We know as Christians we need to be ready for that. And, and let's talk a little bit about... What our role as Christians is in that, because you know we can be so thankful that Christ has, um, in a in a permanent way, in a, in an eternal way, beaten the enemy, and so our salvation is secure in Christ. We know that we're on the winning team, so to speak. But Randy, does that give us some excuse just to kind of take a hands-off approach here and and be lazy? And if not. What is our role as believers in preparing for that moment of spiritual warfare? How, how do we make sure that we're prepared to meet that line and what scriptures might guide us in that preparation? Well, I, I would think about um, our role as being twofold, being aware and then also having the proper weapon. And there's two scriptures that I want to highlight that deal with this. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul says, "...so that we would not be outwitted by Satan." For we are not ignorant of his designs. And I, I hope I'm not doing something wrong here, but I think in verse 11, we could almost flip the clauses around. We are not ignorant of his designs. Therefore, we're not outwitted by Satan. I was thinking about a, a Saturday morning cartoon that I used to watch, G.I. Joe, America's Greatest Hero. G.I. Joe is there. They would end with a public service announcement about drugs or something like that, and would have a character from G.I. Joe, and it says, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Hmm. We cannot be ignorant of Satan's schemes and his designs. We must have an awareness, because when we have that awareness, then we'll take action on it. And the Apostle Paul, he highlights, after we have that awareness, what we should do. We should wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It says in Ephesians 6.18, and take the helmet of salvation, but then in the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, the, the word word there is not uh, logos, it's rima, which mm-hmm. refers primarily to a spoken word. The idea is you've got the word hidden in your heart so that when that moment of testing and temptation and attack comes, you can speak the word of truth 
and cut down the lies of the enemy. So there has to be awareness and there has to be that weapon that you wield. I love that. So before we get into Matthew 4, which is you know just the, the hallmark passage as we think about spiritual warfare and Christ's example of how he responded to that, well, first of all, looking at this 2 Corinthians chapter 2 passage, chapter 2, verse 11, we are not outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Those two words, outwitted and ignorant, once again, highlighting the intellectual nature, if I could, if I could say it that way, but just the fact that so much of this comes to bear in your thought life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see in Matthew 4, Jesus was quoting scripture, but so is the enemy. And sometimes it comes down to who knows the scripture accurately. It's not just a matter of whether you know a few Bible verses, but will you be able to discern when the enemy or when a false teacher twists the word of God? And that's sometimes what spiritual warfare looks like. So often as we jump into these episodes, we begin with some definitions. And we didn't necessarily do that, but Randy, before we get into Matthew 4, could you give us maybe a definition and also perhaps just some practical possibilities for what spiritual warfare looks like? Because I think it's a term we're familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe we have some misconceptions about what spiritual warfare actually is, because honestly, I think we probably all deal with it a little bit more often than we realize. Yeah, I think to define spiritual warfare, we should back up to our Ephesians 6.12 passage. Uh, He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, and so on and so forth. That idea of wrestling, grappling, hand-to-hand combat, if you will, uh, we know that when we're converted, when we're in Christ, we acquire a powerful enemy, Satan, this fallen angel, and his demons. They can't touch Christ. Christ is exalted. He's the Son of God. He is superior to the enemies, co-eternal with the Father. And so what does Satan do in his rage? He attacks believers, and that comes in many forms. And I think you hit upon the primary way, which is the attack in the thought life, Um you know, we, we contend with the flesh, the world, and the devil, and often that's in the arena of the mind, that lustful thought that comes our way, um, that thought that just seems so out of place. Where did that come from? It's evil. It's wrong. It's discouraging. It might even be blasphemous. That is spiritual warfare. Yes. So with these uh, things in mind, why don't we go ahead and just take a look. This is a lengthy passage, 11 verses, but this is such a fruitful passage and instructive for us. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put your Lord, your God, to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Randy, a few things jump out at me here. Three times Christ uses the words, It is written. And so the first thing I I gather from this passage is that if we want to be effective and successful in our encounters with spiritual warfare, we've got to be able to say, it is written. We have to know what the scripture says. But then to your point earlier, something else I draw out of this passage, when did this all happen? After Jesus had fasted 40 days in the wilderness. So... The first temptation Jesus encounters, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. You said the enemy will seek to attack in our moment of weakness, in our moment of weakness, at our point of weakness, and that's exactly what happens here. Jesus is hungry, and that's the first thing that the devil puts his finger on. You could also look at it a different way and say Jesus encountered spiritual warfare at the peak of this spiritual time in the wilderness. And haven't we all felt that as well? You know, maybe maybe you've been on your way to the prayer closet or you're just now beginning to read the scripture and the devil doesn't like that. <clears throat> he doesn't like the fact that, you know, Christ has spent 40 days in the wilderness. And so sometimes our efforts to pursue God and to be spiritual and to do all of the things that we're supposed to do as Christians are when the enemy comes and exploits the weakness that he sees. I think we could also do a, a contrast here. We know from Romans 5, I believe it is, that Christ is the second Adam. And so we're having another temptation experience. And think of the contrast between what the first Adam did in the garden, and the fall there with the second Adam. When Satan tempted the first couple, what did they do? Hath God said? And they questioned it. They didn't believe it wholeheartedly. Yet what does Christ do in contrast? When temptation comes, it is written, God has said definitively, and he cut down those attacks. We have to remember that Christ, uh, he's not only our atoning sacrifice, the, the author, the captain of our salvation, he's also our model for the Christian life as well. And so we are to emulate what he does. And what did he do? Under temptation, like you said, he met each and every one of them with Scripture, not only Scripture, memorized Scripture. He didn't say, wait, let me get my scrolls. He said, it's in my heart. He quoted it to him. It is written. He quoted it accurately. And he, like you said, he applied it in the right way. That kind of goes back to something that we promote a lot, which is to study what you memorize. Of course, the living word knew the written word perfectly, yet we have to study. We have to put in the sweat equity to know the Word of God backwards and forwards so that we can apply it in the right way. That's so true. And as we think about applying Scripture, I want to take a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but I've been reading this book that talks about all of the things you memorize. They shape your worldview. They shape the things that you believe to be true. And as memorizers, haven't we all experienced the frustration of maybe memorizing a chapter, even a book of the Bible, and then a year passes and it's fuzzy? And and if someone said, well, hey, can you recite... First John, I'd have to say, you know, it's not there. I mean, I, I kind of know the highlights, but it's not fresh. But as you memorize God's Word, it shapes your thinking so that when you're scanning through the radio and you come across a sermon, you think, I'll listen to this, and then something doesn't quite sit right. You can't necessarily recall the chapter and verse from God's Word, 
but God's word has shaped your thoughts in such mm-hmm. a way that you can say, no, I don't know where it's written, but I'm sure that's not a biblical teaching. And so that's one of the ways that we can prepare for spiritual warfare. And there may not, it may not always be true that we can say very precisely, it is written. But as you fill your mind and your heart with scripture, you're prepared to recognize when the devil does what he did here in Matthew 4, and he begins to share these half-truths, these things that sound a little bit biblical, but they're not. They're being misapplied. It's so important that we be prepared for those moments when they come. Now, as we be, as we uh, seek to prepare ourselves, Randy, you were telling me before we recorded here about the, the Coke method for dealing with spiritual warfare, and I thought that was so interesting. Would you share that with our listeners? Yeah, this is just something that I... Uh kind of put together in pastoral ministry in order to just for myself to help with spiritual warfare but then you know uh, inevitably as you would have people come by to visit you or you would go uh, and visit out in the community for counseling and things of that nature you would encounter people under attack you would encounter people going through trials and depression like that of a spiritual nature and so what I used to, to, to teach and what I try to do myself with spiritual warfare is the Coke methods. It's not Coca-Cola classic like you drink, but uh, just a, an acronym for this. Coke, four parts. Choose your verses. There are certain key verses that you need to have locked away for spiritual warfare. Choose those verses. Organize them. You know, Put them under categories organize them so you can pull them out of the index of your mind and your heart. Keep them fresh. I know, you know, when we memorize books of the Bible, uh, there comes a point where maybe we have to kiss it goodbye. You know, we can't keep it up. You want to keep these up. You want to keep these fresh. And then that brings you to the E, employ them in battle. Choose them, organize them, keep them fresh so that you can employ them in battle. That's so good. Now, as we choose the verses, we said that the enemy kind of knows where we're weak. But for many of us, we also have a general idea of where we are weak. Maybe you're listening and you say, I, I tend to lose my temper. Uh, I tend to misuse uh, my words, or maybe I'm tempted with the internet. Find some verses that, that you can hide in your heart to shape your thinking. You know, make, make these the wallpaper on your phone. Make, make these the verses that you see on your bathroom mirror every day. As you said, Randy, be intentional. And, of course, there are areas of spiritual warfare that we all encounter to varying degrees. But think about those particular areas where you are prone to struggle and sharpen your sword, if I can mm-hmm. say it that way, in those areas. So as we wrap up, we just want to encourage you. Um, go ahead and, and pick some verses to memorize. As Randy said, select those verses, organize those verses, make sure you keep them fresh in your memory, be sure to put them to use. And also, we would encourage you to memorize a set of verses that we've put together called Armor Up, uh, Soldier Up, rather. And uh, these are in our free Verse Locker app, and we're going to put the link in the show notes. But this just walks you through the Ephesians passage that highlights the armor of God. It's got some devotional material in there as well. And that's just a great start to preparing for your own encounters with spiritual warfare. The fact is, there's nothing we can do to prevent these battles from happening, but we can prepare ourselves for those battles and to be successful in them. So thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you will subscribe and join us next time for another episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast. 
Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast, a ministry of Scripture Memory Fellowship. At SMF, our mission is to help you know, live, and love God's Word. If you're ready to take the next step in your Scripture Memory journey, visit us online at scripturememory.com or download Verse Locker, our free Bible memory app. As always, be blessed today as you take time to enjoy God's Word. And be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast.